Ladies and gentlemen, bienvenidos, señores y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast, coming to you live right now and brought to you by Silverback Sports. ShopSilverback.com. We are recording this show a little bit earlier in the week than normal and a lot to go over this week. But first, as always, I'm your host, Robbie Gutierrez of the NAI Ball Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RobG1063. That's at RobG1063. Joining me on the podcast, as always, is the man himself, the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, baby, what's going on? How are you doing today? Another day, another dollar, Robbie. I'm excited, man. Pumped to be here for like week four now. It is a great start to the year for NAI baseball. It is a great start to the year for NAI ball. We cannot thank everybody out there in our community enough for listening for interacting with us on social media. We've got Instagram now at NAI ball. That is absolutely dropping content on there almost on a daily basis. Have to check that out. If you have not on already, that's at NAI ball on Instagram. First and foremost, before we get into the show, want to tell you about our sponsor, Silverback sports. That's right. Silverback sports. It's the official sponsor of the NAI ball podcast, the alpha in arm care and training essentials. Premium and durable material for individual and team use. Always available at ShopSilverback.com. That's at ShopSilverback.com. That's an NAI-made company. Unlock the Silverback in you. Check them out at ShopSilverback.com. Let's get rolling as we always do. Headed into the shout-outs and mentions. Cody, man, we'll start this week off with a shout-out to Montreat head baseball coach Jason Beck for his 700th career win. The Cavs sweep Goshen and win their fifth straight. A shout-out to Loyola head baseball coach Jeremy Kennedy on win number 400. A shout-out to Culver Stockton head baseball coach Brad Jerkos, who wins his first career game in a 5-2 victory over Columbia. And then a shout-out to Dort, Iowa, head baseball coach Nathan Bacon, who wins his first career game in a 20-6 victory over McPherson. Want to give a shout-out to Ottawa, Kansas starting pitcher Jared Gray. He threw a no-hitter with 10 strikeouts in their win over Ecclesia. And Wayland Baptist, they've got the Bash brothers this season. Last year, the Masters had them. This year, Wayland Baptist has them. Luis Vargas has 12 home runs and 35 RBIs. And then Brendan Faust has 10 home runs and 32 RBIs. They lead the country in runs, home runs, RBIs, and total bases. Want to give a quick shout to Our Lady of Lakes, Jose Diaz, who finished the weekend 7 for 12 with a double, a home run, and two stolen bases, all while heading up to the mound and recording three saves. Diaz actually leads the nation in saves, and Diaz is going to work himself into the 90s. It's a guy with a Good little breaker and a good fastball there at Our Lady of the Lake in San Antonio, Texas. Mid-American Christian out of Oklahoma, the catcher Jan Eli Adames finished the weekend with a double, two home runs, and 12 RBIs. Tied an NAI season high with eight RBIs coming in one game. A shout-out to Madonna. 
Coach Faulkner out there. The offense exploded this weekend with 48 hits, 52 runs. Frank Luska hit three doubles, four home runs, and seven RBIs. And then Gordon Ferguson hit two doubles, three home runs, and 10 RBIs from Madonna. Loyola's Brandon Duhan stole an NAI season high five bases in one game over the weekend. He's got 31 stolen bags on the year. It is still February. So definitely, Cody, I think you can attest to the record last season or the highest total last year in the nation was something like 46, 47. Yeah, it was 47. Wow. So already catching up to that. 31 stolen bases still in February for Loyola's Brandon Duhan, a JUCO transfer out of Delgado there in New Orleans. Kansas Wesleyan freshman Jansen Lublin picked up his first career win, throwing a complete game with 10 strikeouts. Martin Methodist sweeps the series over Uno. How about the Red Hawks? They open the season of 2020 with a record of 11-1. and And then, of course, we got to give a shout-out to our guys over at Texas College for winning a game over NCAA Division I Prairie View A&M 5-2. They had a chance to take the series, just fell a little bit Short. Cody, a lot of shout outs and mentions this week. What stands out to you? Who really deserves a little bit of an extra shout out from that group? I mean, I just think it's incredible what Luis Vargas and Brendan Faust are doing right now. Uh, kind of reminds you a little bit of Anthony LaPree and Aaron Shackelford last year at the Masters. I mean, it's just incredible. They're one, two in the nation and home runs, runs, total bases, RBIs. And uh, just to play on the same team, hit back to back in the lineup, that's pretty special stuff. Yeah, no, it definitely is pretty cool for them to be able to do that at Wayland Baptist and, and Luis Vargas and Brendan Faust really doing some special things over there. Uh, Jose Diaz, I got to see him earlier in the year. He's got that low 90s fastball, really works well on the mound, but can do it all. I didn't get to see him in the in the game that I was there when they played USAO. I didn't get to see him play in the field, but everybody I got to talk to from Olu told me that he's a great defender and a good hitter. And so really a valuable two-way player there. I have to give an extra shout-out to my head coach, Loyola University head baseball coach Jeremy Kennedy, on win number 400. I got to be part, Cody, of 225 of those wins over six years. And, uh, you know, I'm not alone in this. A lot of guys I saw sharing it on Facebook and social media. So definitely a lot of guys proud of, of Coach K. And just really a great feeling to be able to share some of those victories, to share those memories. And, and really it's, it's about more than the wins. And I know not everybody got the same college experience that I did with coach Garza and coach Kennedy and the guys that I got to be around Teddy now and, and just so many great guys. We could spend all night talking about it, but the 225 wins I got to be a part of while at Northwood slash Kaiser were, were fantastic. It didn't matter where we were, but like the, the memories, the moments with my teammates that, I'll never forget, you know, two, three regional title games in six years, two World Series trips in six years, you know, I mean, just things like that. Times in the dorms, I mean, just absolutely incredible. And so I can't attest to to the kind of man that Jeremy Kennedy is. Can't can't stop that enough and and say that, you know, he's really done some a great job, not just as a coach on the ball field, but you know, as a leader of men and making men and, and helping me to get where I am. I mean. It's been my parents, Coach Garza, Coach Kennedy are the, are the f- four people that have helped me get to where I am today. And 
each one of those people have played a hand into why we even have this, Cody, or else there's no NAI ball podcast. Or you know what? There's maybe an NAI ball podcast, but you're not doing it with me if those people don't have an, a hand in, in everything I've done. So definitely thankful for that and, you know, everything that Coach K's done. And congratulations to everybody on the list. You got a shout out and mention, Cody, I know uh, you, you had a little something to say here. Well, I just think Coach Kennedy is one of the best coaches in the NAI and all of college baseball. And, you know, as we mentioned before, he's one of two coaches to take two different programs to the NAIA World Series. And um, look at Loyola. They've already won 15 games this year. He's a winner. Yeah, I, I can agree to that. I mean, two active head coaches have done that, Adrian Dinkle and Jeremy Kennedy. So definitely we've got some amazing coaches in the NAI. It's not just Jeremy Kennedy. It's not just Robert Garza. It's all across the nation. Guys get the same experience that, you know, I have or, or Cody, you know, your connection with with ggc and the experiences that you've had and and all of those memories they all tie in together and they all make you want to be part of something bigger than yourself and it's just an absolutely incredible thing so coach k congrats on 400 i'm i'm really excited for you i'm looking forward to the next 400 getting ready to talk about detroit and southeastern cody barn burner in lakeland from joker marchant stadium Publix field Southeastern University gets walked off on by the Detroit Tigers. Now, really quickly to put this in perspective, folks, a couple of things here. Southeastern and Detroit was the only college game that day to go nine innings. The University of Minnesota, the Twins beat the University of Minnesota 16-0. They stopped after seven. Boston played Northeastern University, 3-0 win for the Red Sox. They stopped after seven. Southeastern and Detroit go nine. Southeastern picks right back up the next day and plays Warner. So really an impressive job for SCU. But they went out and they had a chance. And, Cody, there was actually a point in the game in the sixth inning where they were leading four to two. We thought they had a chance. There was a point in the ninth inning where they had a runner standing on second base with an opportunity to score him. And they should have scored him in a lot of ways. Just fell a little bit short in that game. And they get walked off by Daniel Pinero and a single and an RBI to win that one. 5-4, the Detroit Tigers defeat the Southeastern Fire. Cody, you got to watch the entirety of the game. Tell me what you noticed. I just thought it was a great game. You know, Southeastern went up 2-0, and they led 4-2. And you said the only lead Detroit had all day was the walk-off, the last pitch of the game. Uh, I thought Southeastern played great. I thought Brian Garcia showed why he's a top prospect. I thought Brian Garcia looked great. Christian Martin on right field made so many plays. He had like seven putouts in the first three innings. It was incredible. And uh, I just was really impressed. I thought the fire competed again, like always. And you got to factor in their ace, Mulcahy, pitched the day before, and they had two conference games the next day. So they weren't throwing their one, two, or three. I mean, they just weren't. And then when you look at the later innings, um, this is a great experience for every kid on that team. They played every kid on that team. I mean, we talked about Mulcahy. He was batting. His first at bat of the season came against Detroit. I mean, so they had pitchers batting, and they just got everyone in the game. Everyone got to play. And it was a great experience. And once again, they showed why they are one of the best programs in college baseball. They got to face a top prospect in, in school. And I know you got to watch that. I believe he's the number four overall prospect for the Detroit Tigers. And he was lights out. I mean, two innings pitch, five strikeouts, six outs that he had. He was 99. I mean, just that kind of experience to, to see that upper 90s with a wipeout slider. And it's, a, it's definitely a great job. Uh, by Southeastern and I think really a testament to the kind of power program that they are to hang in there with Detroit and some of these names for them that'll be big time guys in a few years 
Uh, Detroit did out hit the fire six to five. But like Cody said, at no point until the bottom of the ninth in that walk-off did Detroit lead. So just an incredible job by Southeastern. A shout-out to them and all the guys who got to play in that one and really, really, really get after it. Take a look here at our best of the week, our series reviews. What happened this past week and what were the series that you need to know about from this past weekend that definitely made some differences around the nation? And we'll start it out. Right now with number 19, Lewis Clark State, and then Canada's team, the True North, the University of British Columbia. They split in the NAI West Series, two games apiece. LC won the single nine on Friday and Sunday, and then the doubleheader on Saturday was swept by British Columbia, who scored 27 runs in a huge series. Quick shout out to LCSC third baseman Jack Johnson. He had three home runs and 10 RBI. Southwestern Kansas Sweeps number seven, Bellevue out of Nebraska. Catcher Angel Velez hit a home run with five RBIs in the series. Tanner Olmstead went six innings pitch, two earned runs and six Ks in game two of the series clinching win. Blue Mountain wins the series on the road at number 17, Texas Wesleyan, two games to one. They dropped game one, but scored three runs in the top of the seventh to come back and win game two. Eli Jackson went five innings pitch, one earned run in relief in game three to steal the series Kaiser wins the series over number 16 Weber International University two games to none game three is postponed and will be played this week massive weekend for Garrett Hall six for seven a double a triple a home run and nine RBIs in those two games number 22 IU Southeast sweeps the series over Huntington Hunter Cloak went six and a third innings pitch with one earned run to win game number one Raced a 7-5 deficit in the eighth of game two with four runs. Trevor Reynolds throws five and a third scoreless in the finale to complete the sweep. IU South Bend wins the series on the road at Texas A&M Texarkana. Long road trip for the boys out of South Bend, Indiana. They win that series three games to one. Logan Young had a multi-hit game in three of the four matches and then finished with a double, a homer, and four RBIs. Robbie Berger and Troy Cullen throw gems to clinch the series win. And then Cody, last but not least, the NAI Ball Series of the Week. Hope International wins the GSAC Series over the Masters. Three games to one by a score of 5-6 to the Masters. And then 5-4 Hope International, 7-3 Hope International, and 9-2 HIU. Starting pitcher Israel Fuentes. Five and two-thirds innings pitch. No earned runs. Eight strikeouts. Left fielder Juan Gonzalez, a double, a home run, and five RBIs in the series. Right fielder Dominic Campeo, a double and six RBIs. And then relief pitcher Brendan Turcott, two appearances, five innings pitch, and no runs scored off of him. A huge series win for Hope International. And we'll talk a little more about what they can expect coming up. But Cody, some major series last week. What really stood out to you in the ones that'll make a difference down the road? Well, I think it was big for Kaiser to bounce back. You know, they dropped the series to St. Thomas last weekend. They did a good bounce back week and they got it. Um, obviously to everyone, it was eye-popping Southwestern sweep in Bellevue. I think that's incredible. Um, you know, they just started baseball back not too long ago. And, you know, it's obviously their biggest weekend probably since they started back. You know, big, big win for Hope International. They were able to get the walk-off on the first night when they got that walk-off. It ended up being the series win. They took three or four, and that ended up being huge. 
Uh, they have another really big series coming up with Vanguard. So, you know, the GSAC, every game counts. Like, you look back at one game, you lose on a walk-off. Well, that game may be the difference. So I just think that uh, it was a good weekend of baseball. Yeah, season three, episode four of the podcast. And I think in three of the four episodes, we've mentioned that the GSAC, it's it's too hard to tell who the top team is. We don't know. It's it's such dog-eat-dog environment that it doesn't matter where the teams are. They all have an opportunity to beat each other. So a huge series win for Hope International. Congratulations to those guys. It's now time for NAI Ball Players of the Week, taking a look at who the finest players across the nation were. And this week, we have our hitter of the week out of McPherson. Right fielder Kyle Lux finished the week with eight runs, two doubles, four home runs, and 14 RBIs. So Kyle Lux out of McPherson is our hitter of the week. Our pitcher of the week is University of Michigan at Dearborn pitcher Tyler Coons, who tossed the first no-hitter in program history in a 2-0 victory over Robert Morris University. Seven innings pitch nine strikeouts Cody man a lot went into choosing these guys as our player and pitcher of the week what stood out the most to you for these two well I just think Kyle Lux has been doing it all year he's first in the nation in slugging percentage he's third in home runs fourth in total bases sixth in runs scored sixth in RBIs I mean just incredible another 14 RBI week for him he's really raking and when it comes to Tyler Clunes the immaculate inning he threw to end the game nine pitches nine strikes three punch outs their first in program history and that went into really what, what we thought about was that immaculate inning. I mean, that immaculate inning, nine pitches, nine strikes, strikes out the side is rarer, you know, in, in baseball sense than the no hitter as far as odds go. So an absolutely incredible job by Tyler Coons to really make that happen and, and throw that first no hitter in Michigan Dearborn program history. Congratulations to our pitcher of the week, Tyler Coons out of the University of Michigan at Dearborn and our hitter of the week out of McPherson right fielder Kyle Lux, who has another 14 RBI week. Games and series to watch this upcoming weekend. A lot going on. A lot of good series this weekend. We'll start it off with Mid-American Christian and USAO. Then Vanguard will take on Hope International, as Cody told you earlier. Mobile versus Bethel. William Jessup University versus Arizona Christian. Cumberlands versus Huntington. Milligan takes on St. Andrews. The Masters versus Westmont. Loyola will battle Middle Georgia State. Jarvis Christian versus LSU Shreveport. William Carey takes on Faulkner. Texas Wesleyan versus Southwest Christian. Troop McConnell and Tennessee Wesleyan. And then Jamestown versus Aquinas. Cody, before we get into our two national series of the week, our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week, which of these series really stands out to you, or is there one not on here that kind of will you think will make an impact? Oh, I definitely think there are series on here that's going to make an impact. I mean, we talked about the GSAC, Vanguard, Hope International, the Masters, Westmont. That's a big weekend for the GSAC. That's definitely going to pay a big difference. I'm interested to see what Mid-America Christian can do to USAO. Um, you know, Mid-America Christian's been playing really good baseball this year, but obviously it's a different beast when you're playing science and arts, who once again just leads the nation in every pitching category possible. And I'd like to see what Davis O'Brien can do at Milligan. You know, Davis O'Brien has been incredible. You talk about a guy for St. Andrews. 28 innings pitched scoreless this year. He's thrown four complete game shutouts. That's just probably the best start I can remember. I mean, it's hard to get better than that. Yeah, he's been incredible. O'Brien has been incredible over at St. Andrews. If you don't know his name yet, you should, because to go out there four times, throw a complete game every single time has been absolutely outstanding. Not just a complete game, but a shutout. He's got a zero ERA. We mentioned him in several tweets 
today, the day that we're recording this on Monday here. So absolutely incredible job and start to the year for him. So I'm interested to see how St. Andrews goes against Milligan. I also think Jarvis Christian versus LSU Shreveport is an interesting one. Jarvis Christian able to steal one from Faulkner. It would be interesting to see if they can do some damage there in a conference series against LSUS. William Carey versus Faulkner intrigues me because William Carey trying to jump out there in the Southern States Athletic Conference, an opportunity to grab one or two wins against Faulkner will be an interesting one. And then the same thing that you said, Mid-American Christian versus USAO. USAO, best staff in the nation. I constantly tell people that this is the best non-D1 staff in the nation at any level. I think that they're incredible. I think that that just the names on the staff, the, the guys that they have, the starting pitching, just everything for USAO is absolutely phenomenal. But Mid-American Christian has really turned the page this year, has done some good things and making good things happen right now. They're 14-4. and four. So basically, you have two of the best teams in the Sooner Athletic Conference facing off with each other. Science and Arts is 10-1. and one. Ian Laureano is quietly, I mean, just absolutely quietly hitting 550 on the year. 550, Cody, that's insane. And then a 169 team ERA for USAO. Matt Merrill with a 1.06 ERA. And then Colton Williams with a 1.59. Both of those guys in 17 innings pitched. Both of them with insane strikeout numbers. Colton Williams, 25 strikeouts to one walk in 17 innings. And then Matt Merrill, 31 strikeouts to six walks. Williams, of course, will work into the low 90s, has the ability to place the ball wherever he wants it. And then Matt Merrill, sophomore, with the ability to work into the mid-90s. I mean, I, I just think that there's a lot to watch this weekend, Cody. And really, it's going to be a good weekend of NAI baseball. It's now time for our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. And our first one is Madonna versus Campbellsville for Madonna. They break open the season 12-3 and on the year with an impressive two-game sweep over Oklahoma City University. Offensively, Madonna is anchored by Frank Luska and Adrian Reed, who lead the team in hits with 12 and 14, respectively. Top 10 NAI prospect Dion Henderson is a force on the bump. He's 1-0 with a... 0.82 ERA, striking out 14 in 11 innings pitch. Nate Blaine has been exceptional on the mound as well. He's 2-0 with a 0.57 ERA in 25 strikeouts in 15 and two-thirds. For Campbellsville, they opened the season 9-4. Three of their four losses have been by one run offensively. This team hits 280 and is led by a trio of Cale Thompson with 11 hits, 7 RBIs. Jalen Horton with 12 hits and then Tyler Cox with 12 hits and 9 RBIs. The pitching staff, though, has been phenomenal. As an entire staff, 2.18 staff ERA. It's hard to find anybody better than Alexander Salazar, who's 1-1 one one with a 0.44 ERA in 20 and a third innings pitch, striking out 33 on the season. It's hard to find that, but there's three guys right now with 20-plus innings pitch and no ERA, which makes Salazar fourth in the nation in ERA. Cody, I think this is going to be a great series, an opportunity for Campbellsville to take some wins against a Madonna team that's been tested early on in the season. It has two great wins over Oklahoma City and an opportunity for Madonna to just add to that resume of teams they've beaten this year. Yeah, this is a fantastic series. This is a really great matchup. Campbellsville has some real talent on their team. We talked about Salazar. 
one of the best arms in the country. He's going to pitch 90 to 93, can get up to 95. Uh, Gage O'Brien, their game two starter, was a back end closer type last year. He's 90 to 93, can get up to 95. So when you talk about some of the arms Campbellsville has, it's just going to be a real challenge for Madonna. It's going to be the best pitching they've seen this year. And uh, I'm interested to see if Campbellsville, a team that struggled to score at times, how they're going to do against a Madonna staff that's one of the best in the country too. I mean, look at Deion Henderson. He's a top five pitcher, and I'm really looking forward to it. I want to give a shout out to Gordon Ferguson, too, for Madonna. He had three home runs and 10 RBIs over the weekend. So, you know, interested to see what he can do with Salazar and O'Brien. Yeah, it'll be some great pitching that Madonna's going to have to face this weekend. And, and I'm really interested to see what they're going to face in Campbellsville, who's got some great arms and traditionally has brought in great arms and had great arms really do some good things there at Campbellsville. A good opportunity for Madonna. I'm interested to see what Dion Henderson looks like on the bump as well. Now time for our Silverback Sports NAI Ball Podcast National Series of the Week. There is no series this weekend bigger than this one across the nation. And we will get rolling here with Indiana Tech versus Taylor. Two teams out of the great state of Indiana battling each other. First, we'll start off with Taylor. And Taylor has hit the ground running this season. They face another challenge in Indiana Tech. Taylor at the dish, hitting 328 as a team with 106 RBIs. TJ Bass has hit the long ball five times already, tying his total from last season. And then Ben Cowball leads the team in RBIs with 17. On the mound, the Taylor staff has a 5.63 ERA. Noah Huseman is 2-0 in three starts for the Trojans. In 16 innings pitch, he's got a 3.38 ERA. And has thrown a chair to 18 batters. Taylor has faced some good teams this year. They've beaten Lewis Clark. They went down to Arizona for two weeks and did really played some great baseball. Interesting to see what Taylor brings to the table right now. I expect them to have 12 wins with their midweek games going into this weekend against Indiana Tech. For Indiana Tech, they're five and two. They're coming off a four-game sweep of Rio Grande and took one of two versus Tennessee Wesleyan. Mike Snyder has been the hot bat for Indiana Tech this year. He's got 10 hits. Six of those 10 hits have left the yard and a team-high 15 RBIs. On the mound, Charles Donovan is the big returner for Indiana Tech, and so far he's 2-0 with a 2.89 ERA. But Hayes Sturtzman is 1-0 in 11 and two-thirds innings pitch with no ERA. He also leads the team in punch-outs. With 18. This is a major battle for both of these teams. Cody, Indiana Tech plays a tough schedule. They're going to play Taylor. They just got done playing Tennessee Wesleyan. Going to be interesting for them to see how they battle in this one because they could come out of this series really five and five and getting ready to face some big time opponents down the road. On the other hand, for Taylor, you know, they should win both of their midweek matchups here. In the Crossroads Conference, I think they play something like Defiance College. It's a non-NAI school, but it, that's definitely going to be an interesting battle for them. For Indiana Tech, what concerns me more, Cody, is the schedule because they're going to head south here in a few weeks, and they're going to play some really good teams. Cumberland's out of Kentucky, Reinhardt, Georgia Gwinnett, British Columbia, and the, all of those games are going to get packed into a few days there. And in a matter of like five or six days, they're going to play almost eight games. So it's definitely going to be intense there for Indiana Tech. You definitely want to have a good showing in this series. I think this is a big series for Taylor, too. I think Taylor is a team that no matter what has earned enough to be in the top 25 in two weeks. So I think they're playing for placement this weekend. 
And, uh, you know, if they come out here and they take a couple of games off Indiana Tech like they did last year, they won the series over Indiana Tech last year. Um, if they can do that again, I think they're going to be pretty high up in the poll. I mean, you look at Perfect Game, they already have them ranked. And, you know, it's a team that we weren't sure about to start the year, but, you know, Perfect Game thought they brought a lot of people back and they would click. And, you know, he wasn't wrong. Shout out to Nick. They look really good this year. So this is a really competitive series. Indiana Tech leads it 8-7. to seven. I Like I said, Indiana Tech, I'm not too worried about because all they have to do is take care of business in conference, and they've been doing that lately. I mean, you know, there's teams like Madonna and, you know, Northwestern Ohio can get it going. But I like Indiana Tech still. I think this is a big weekend for Taylor. You said something interesting there, and, and I hate to break away from just talking about this series, but I want to kind of take a look at the, the entirety of the top 25. A new poll comes out in about, I want to say, two weeks, maybe three weeks. I know it starts really Let's say two weeks. So uh, March 9th and 10th, we'll have conference ratings. We'll have a new top 25 poll. Cody, man, I foresee a lot of changes coming in this top 25, and I think Taylor is 100% a team that has deserved to move into that poll. Are there any other teams across the nation that you think will move in to the top 25? Yeah, I think Reinhardt is the team that's probably going to move into the top 25, especially if they beat Gwinnett tomorrow night. You know, they're coming off a big sweep over William Carey on the road. I mean, there's going to be some teams moving in because there's definitely going to be some teams moving out. You know, right, there's going to be some slots. Yeah, so the thing I mean, you talked about before, I, you know, color me shocked that the rankings from November aren't that good. <laughs> um, it's just I don't understand why they rank teams so early. I mean, we don't even know who's eligible for the next semester yet. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to fall because there have been some teams that have not performed up to expectations. You and I could really sit here and talk about that and, like, why are we ranking teams in November? You hit the nail on the head. I don't know who's going to be eligible. You And a lot of times we're in January and coaches still cannot tell me who's going to be eligible or not. And so it's really hard to come out with that poll in November and say, this is, you know, the whatever, the number 19 team in the nation. This is the number 20 team. This is the 21. It does not matter because we really don't know who's staying, who's going, who's eligible, who's not. I think Kaiser works their way into the top 25. Yes, Kaiser will work. That's a team I didn't mention. Kaiser will work their way into the poll. Yeah, they deserve it. Just to, not to cut you off really quickly, but I mean, you look at the preseason All-American list, four of the players on the list aren't even playing this season. So it's like, I, we need yep. to just wait a little bit. Like we're just giving give kids All-American awards that aren't even playing baseball in 2020. I mean, so like, I agree. I'm with you. I just We need to wait until January at least. There are so many things I think we'd like to do different. And I know you and I just rail and rail and rail on these topics all year. And we're not even, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just auto bid. It's not even the auto bid. You know, it's it's like, I'd like to see a, a national letter of intent. I'd like for us not to have a top 25 vote in November. I'd like for all Americans to just wait a little bit and come out, you know, at the same time the top 25 comes out because nobody on the selection committee or on the coaches committee that's a conference raider has any idea who's going to be good in November outside of a few teams. Tennessee Wesleyan, good at baseball. Southeastern, good at baseball. St. Thomas, good at baseball. Georgia Gwinnett, good at baseball. Like, we know those teams, you can rank them, and you could switch them out anywhere in the top 10, top 5. But there's so many teams ranked right now that really should not be there that at the beginning of the season, if you had just taken time to really – kind of look at it a little bit deeper. You you had an idea that that they're going to struggle a little bit and and it's really been a surprise that some of these teams have struggled a little more than even you and I thought. Some of the teams that you and I were comfortable placing cuz even in January you and I are going back and forth on who needs to be where. 
Right. Like I thought Lewis Clark State, I'll just go I thought they'd be a lot better than they've been so far this year. They were three and five entering yesterday. That now they won't think they won, so they're four and five against the NAI teams this year. I mean, that's a World Series team right now. It's under five hundred. And their schedule is they should be winning the games they're playing the rest of the way. So, you know, this is a team that really needs to if they're gonna earn that ranking, they need to perform the rest of the way. Bellevue right now, three and seven, a slow start for them. I think just based on the talent that they have, they're going to be okay. They're going to find a way. They had a slow start last year, figured things out. But right now at three and seven, Bellevue, it's a tough start for them. You know, it's going to be hard to say, let's keep this team in the top 25 at, at three and seven right now. So there's been a lot of ups and downs for a lot of teams around the nation. I think another one that's kind of shocked a lot of people Oklahoma Wesleyan, Oklahoma Wesleyan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you and I thought Oklahoma Wesleyan would, would be really like in the two or three loss range to start the year. And, we didn't know they were going to lose their best player for the year, for one. I mean, just to throw that out there. Right. I mean, at, at this point, they've played 19 games. You know, anybody who doesn't know, you know, Drenis Ozuna not, not playing this year, and that's a tough blow for them. That's a really tough blow for Kirk Kelly's squad. That's a guy that you and I were so high on Drenis Ozuna and everything that he's done. And last year, the incredible numbers that he put up, and it's unfortunate for Oklahoma Wesleyan and a little bit of a struggle this year. So there's there's some teams that are around the nation that are struggling right now. Uh, again, like I said, Bellevue right now, number seven in the nation. When the next poll comes out, that's not going to be the case if they're still three and seven, but they're going to be, t- I think Cody's still in the NSAA. They're going to be totally fine once we get rolling here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing about the team. Say you're struggling. Say you only have a couple of wins. All you have to do to get an automatic bid is win your conference. I mean, it's that simple. And that's I mean, the other you thing we do backwards. But the way it's set up, literally, if you just win your conference, you are good to go. So it doesn't matter if you're 0-10 right now. It really plays no role. You know, and, and for those of y'all that are kind of new to this podcast, at some point this year, I will go on a long rant about the auto bid and how we do our tournament backwards and giving out too many not even the auto, it's the conference auto bid, giving out way too many conference automatic bids into the national tournament, not giving us the best tournament that we should have, not having at-large bids. I mean, it, it really would not be hard to do it like D1 does it and say every conference gets one bid and then we have the rest be at-larges and get teams in, but really we shrink it down so much and if there's any upsets, that at-large number shrinks smaller and smaller and smaller and it gets tougher for teams in the top 25 to make the tournament yeah it's so backwards it makes no sense i mean you look at it and they say it's about the number of teams and they because of the number of teams when you look at the aii they hit two bids i mean yeah, why the does AII the AII, that's no that's ridiculous i mean it's ridiculous but the league as a whole they say it's the number of teams but it's the same teams in the conference tournament every year so the other five schools they list don't even compete why do they have two bids why does the g side it just doesn't make any sense yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's all, like you said, all based on the amount of teams in the conference. I mean, and because of the way that we did it, a 40-win venue Mesa team did not make the tournament. And it's it's tough to say that because when, I, when we did the at-large process, I think there were 12 at-large bids, Cody, and we ended up predicting 11 of the 12 correctly. It's tough to say that because right now you look at venue Mesa, they're not going to get held out of the tournament this year. You know, they're 15 and five. They're three and zero to start Cal Pat conference play, having a great start to the year, but they got left out basically because the way we do the tournament. And so if you leave it to chance, it's, it's going to get taken out of your hands. And I just think we have the opportunity to do it division one style and give ourselves the best playoff baseball tournament possible. 
I, I really don't understand why we do that. But that's a discussion for another day, Cody. We'll be here all night if we get into that. I agree. Because we'll start talking about – shout out to the ties we do in a baseball poll too. Tied for 22nd. Tied for 25th. I mean, it's kind of yeah. silly in its own right. I mean, yeah, we've got a top 25 poll that doesn't have 25 teams. Yeah, it's so silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but you know what? I'm sure we'll get some some nice DM mail from somewhere in the future when they hear this show. But again, that'll do it for us here. Cody, any final thoughts outside of uh, – really thinking about not answering direct messages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope I still have my credential for Lewiston. But other than that, um, no, I'm just looking, I think this, this weekend slate's actually a lot better than the last couple of weeks. So there's a lot of good matchups. I think Madonna Campbellsville, shout out to Campbellsville too. They have a terrific broadcast. I mean, their broadcast is really good. So if you just want to watch them in the eye of baseball, uh, Madonna Campbellsville is my pick. Definitely looking forward to it. Conference play starting up. We're going to get some really good matchups. We're going to have some great conference battles. It's going to start happening. We're getting into the meat of the season. Eventually, we'll come out with a new prospect list, top prospects in the NAI. We'll also come out with you know new write-ups and just different things to stay tuned with here with NAI Ball. Of course, Instagram, at NAI Ball. We're dropping content almost every single day on Instagram. Pictures as well as videos from around the nation. Some of your biggest plays can end up on Instagram. That's at NAI Ball. As always, if you need to reach Cody, at NAI Ball on Twitter, there's nobody better to talk NAI baseball with. There's nobody better that does small college baseball than right here at NAI Ball, whether it be the podcast or whether it be you know the social media side of it, news, stats, scores, information, 24-7 at NAI Ball, we're always there. So that's how you get a hold of Cody. If you want to get a hold of me, talk some NAI baseball at Rob G1063 on Twitter. Shoot me a message. You know, if you're a coach, I've I've welcomed you to, to shoot me your phone number. We can always talk on the phone. I'll give you mine. You know, love learning about your programs and, and learning about all the teams across the nation. So thank you to everybody who we talk with on a weekly basis. That'll do it for us here on the NAI Ball podcast, brought to you by Silverback Sports. Thanks, everybody, for another great week. Season 3, Episode 4 is done. We'll see you next week with Episode 5. As always, have a great day and an even better day.